Stu Does America. Uh, get the election info you need with the State of the Race series. We had an episode uh, was it today, this morning, I think, and it's going to basically give you everything you need to know about the election and where to look for the biggest breaking news on that front. Uh, we went into the border situation this morning and the polling for Joe Biden on the border. Woo! Uh, you should check that one out. It's uh, available on the Studios America audio feed. You can get that and all the episodes of this show as well there. Now, if you want uh, videos, we've got them for you. YouTube.com slash Stu Does America, where this show appears every day, but also a brand new uh, video from us, which is called Sanctuary City. If you were listening to the radio show, you may have heard the audio of it this morning. Uh, the video is uh, fun. It's spectacular. I think you'll like it a lot. It is available at youtube.com slash America. If you're fired up about the border, you're going to want to see this and share it with your friends because sanctuary cities are ridiculous. Chuck Holton is going to be here with the latest from the Texas border in just a little bit. Joe Biden is dealing with an anti-Israel uprising in his own party. That's lots of fun. But we start by doing the Taylor Swift invasion. Yes, are you sick of Taylor Swift yet? You sick of that whole thing? Because I know I am. You've heard, you've, you've heard me rail and rant about this over and over and over and over again. And now, even the ticket prices for the Super Bowl are going up, and they're blaming this on Taylor Swift. Ticket prices for this year's Super Bowl might even make a billionaire like Taylor Swift blush. <laughs> Says CNN. Um, now, by the way, in the article, I'm just skimming the article, the current get-in price is $8,188, which is more than 50% more expensive than the cheapest ticket price of last year's Super Bowl, the get-in price, during this time, when it cost $5,997. Now, I am not a mathematician, but I can promise you that 8,188 is not more than 50% more than 5,997. Uh, it's like 36% more, which is not more than 50%. And uh, you just think that, like, the people that are giving you the news aren't even checking, like, basic calculator math before they write their stories. That's that's the world you live in right now. Now, look, the Taylor Swift thing, she's dating Ch Taylor, uh, Jason Kelsey, or it's actually Travis Kelsey. And are they going to put her on the screen? Sure. I get it. I ranted about it a long time ago because I was very annoyed that they were interrupting my football time. I want them to talk about plays that are happening. I don't want them talking about Taylor Swift. That's not what I want. I want them to talk about football. But, you know, from a programming perspective, if I'm a major network executive, it's like, well, if we wanted to have Taylor Swift on the show, we'd have to pay her a, you know, millions of dollars. There's like this little hack, this little loophole where because she's in the crowd of our games, we can just keep showing her for free. I understand why they did it. OK, I get it. But I feel like they also reacted to the actual football fans and said, OK, we're going to stop doing this 20 times a game. Let's do it a couple times a game. And honestly, it hasn't been that bad for a while. Uh, but she's just in our lives all the time. The Taylor Swift invasion is in process and she's everywhere, everywhere, all the time. I, I, it's a lot of Taylor, is it not? It's a little, it's a wee bit too much Tay-Tay for my taste. Uh, Taylor Swift is now drawing ire of conservatives after the Chiefs win the AFC championship. Now look, I know, I, I hope she has a very happy relationship with Travis Kelsey. I love Jason Kelsey, uh, Travis's brother. I hope they do great. I hope it's a wonderful, I don't, I'm not rooting against them. I know a lot of people get pissed off about it, but I don't care. I hope they do, I hope they do well. There is a, a weird sort of conspiracy theory though going on around Taylor Swift and the Super Bowl. Now, 
as a person who cares about the about the sporting world and, and certainly cares about the NFL, I talked to lots of people who I know, and they all told me with certainty that going into this, that the Super Bowl was fixed. Why? Because the logo of the Super Bowl had this, the correct colors of the final two teams for the past couple of years. Now, I, I talked to my son about this, who was with me at the game last year, and he said, I remember the, the actual logo not being green and red during the game. It had, like, pink in it, which, okay, I, I don't remember it exactly, but regardless, they may have changed it after. They may have had different versions of it. I don't even know. The point is that everyone was saying, well, it's purple this year, which means that the Ravens are going to win this game. And I heard this from a million different people. And then the second the Ravens lose the game, we move on to the new conspiracy theory that actually the NFL wanted Taylor Swift to be into the Super Bowl. And then that's going to lead to her endorsing Joe Biden. And then Joe Biden is going to win the presidency. Do I have this right? Really? Are we not reaching just a tad here, boys and girls? Honestly, look, the sport's just great. It's a great freaking sport. I love watching it. It's awesome. The NFL's great. It's fun. Patrick Mahomes is really good. Not really a conspiracy. It would be really tough to fake the balls bouncing off helmets and being caught by San Francisco players. Like, really difficult uh, to, to fake this stuff. Uh, but, you know, people like, the, people like their conspiracy theories. I, whatever. You want to do it, that's fine. And I will say, part of the conspiracy theory that is, I don't know if it's part of the conspiracy theory, but the, the, the element of truth here, of course, is, number one, the NFL absolutely wants the Chiefs to be in the Super Bowl because they want to show Taylor Swift on TV and do a bunch of stories about her. They're going to probably get five million extra viewers out of it. It's going to be great for them. Sure, they were rooting for it. Of course, they were rooting for it. Secondarily, Joe Biden really does try, is really does have a plan here to involve Taylor Swift in winning the election. That is actually real. It's separate from what the NFL is trying to do, but it is Real. Uh, it's true. Inside Biden's anti-Trump battle plan, in parentheses, and where Taylor Swift fits in. Watching Donald Trump ascend, the newly energized Biden campaign is aiming to make the general election all about him. It's also hoping for some big endorsements. Now, this is something we've talked about since the very, very beginning of this campaign. Joe Biden cannot possibly win an election if the election is about Joe Biden. Everyone knows that. He's a complete failure. He's a terrible president. He is old. He is crotchety. He is forgetful. He is incoherent. All the things that we know about Joe Biden. It's impossible for a guy like that to actually win an election against uh, someone that doesn't elicit massive reaction. And if you think, well, I need to be defensive about Donald Trump because he's always being attacked. That attack is what I'm talking about, right? Everyone has strong opinions about Donald Trump. Everyone has strong opinions about Taylor Swift. And we all know that they're the two people in our society who elicit reactions like this. And people hate Donald Trump. They will they will not care if Joe Biden is a terrible president. Now, many of them, of course, will care. Uh, and Donald Trump will you know, do very well. He certainly I mean, he has to be a favorite right now. And anything other than winning this presidential election for any Republican would be a choke. And this is the worst president any of us have seen in our lifetimes. I mean, I don't you want to throw Jimmy Carter out there. If you want to go percentage of approval rating, yes, Jimmy Carter was slightly worse. Every other president in the last 68 years has been better. Includes Donald Trump, includes Barack Obama, includes George W. Bush, includes everybody. So this should be the easiest thing in the world for Republicans to do. Can they screw it up, though? Yes, of course they can. 
Now, Swift endorsed Mr. Biden in 2020, and last year, a single Instagram post of hers led to 35,000 new voter registrations. Fundraising appeals from Ms. Swift could be worth millions of dollars for Mr. Biden. Governor Gavin Newsom of California, a top Biden surrogate, all but begged Ms. Swift to become more involved in Mr. Biden's campaign when he spoke to reporters after a Republican primary debate in September. The chatter around Ms. Swift and the potential of reaching her 279 million Instagram followers reached such in- intensity that the Biden team urged applicants in a job posting for social media position not to describe their Taylor Swift strategy. The campaign had enough suggestions already. One idea that had been tossed around a bit in jest was sending the president to a stop on Mr. Ms. Swift's uh, era's tour. Can you imagine this buffoon on stage with Taylor Swift? What would that even look like? He wouldn't even be able to climb the stairs. He'd be in the middle of Shake It Off, and he'd, people would think he was dancing to Shake It Off. He'd be actually collapsing. This is, not a, this is not a plan worth considering, but they do think it could make a difference. And of course, this is similar to like what happens when you have an animated movie and they hire some big actor for, like I Am Groot is the best example of this from, what was that? Uh, Master, some, Guardians of the Galaxy. I was gonna say Masters of the Universe. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy, I Am Groot, right? That's, that's voiced by Vin Diesel, right? Now, what's the purpose of this? All he says is I Am Groot a bunch of times. You don't need Vin Diesel to do that. I mean, you just can hire anybody to do that. Just hire someone you know, walking down the hall. But Vin Diesel comes along with like hundreds of millions of social media followers. So, You put him in the movie, he gets to go out and do his interviews, he tweets about the movie, he puts it out there on Instagram, and all of a sudden, more people go to see it. That's the theory as to why you pay $10 million for a guy to say, I am Groot four times. It's kind of the same situation here. They know she has a massive reach, and even though it's idiotic to listen to a singer or an athlete or um, a figure skater or whatever you have, if there's any reason to listen to any of these people, you know, it doesn't make any it doesn't make any sense, right? Like in, in reality, like well, they don't know anything more than you know. In fact, almost definitely they know less. So why would you listen to their idiotic opinions about politics? Who knows? Does it work? I don't know. I'm usually pretty skeptical about these things. Can Taylor Swift sway the 2024 election is a, is a question from Newsweek. And they go into a poll and we talk about polls all the time. You know, a lot of people disregard them completely. I'm not one of those people. I think I find really good insights out of polls. Uh, they're not all perfect. Many of them miss. However, there are some times when I think in reality, you're not getting much out of them. I think some numbers in polls don't really make much difference. Let me give you an example of that. Exclusive polling conducted for Newsweek by Redfield and Wilton Strategies found that 18% of voters say they are more likely or significantly more likely to vote for a candidate endorsed by Swift. 17% said they would be less likely to vote for a Swift-based candidate, while 55% said they would be neither more nor less likely to do so. Of all the respondents, 45% said they were fans of the singer, 54% said they were not. Only 6% said they were not familiar with Swift. Now, right off the bat, this has gotten a lot of press. Like, oh, well, gosh, I mean, 18%. One in five voters say they'd be influenced by Taylor Swift. Well, when you look at the numbers, first of all, half the people are saying they're more uh, likely to vote for the for a candidate that she endorses. But half of the people are saying the opposite. They're saying they're less likely to vote for a candidate that she endorses. So... 
uh, it doesn't make any sense to sit here and worry about this. And secondarily, what does this really tell us? Who's the per seriously? If there's a person, they got a Donald Trump sign in the yard, and then Joe Biden gets not, uh, you know endorsed by Taylor Swift. Is there one person on earth who changes their mind? Is there one? I don't think there's literally a single person in that scenario where this would occur. Uh, the same thing on the opposite side. What if she, you know, I, I, everyone assumes she's going to uh, endorse Biden, which of course is true. But like, what if she surprised everyone? Came out, ah, you know what? Don's my guy. Do you think anyone's switching from Biden to Trump because Taylor Swift tells them to? This is insane. If, if it is true that it, and it would occur, it would be the most embarrassing thing we've ever heard. Now, this is not the first time she's tried this. This is not the first time she's jumped into the middle of politics. And what happens, too, and this is an important thing to understand, because, look, you know, we've, had, we've been around a lot of people with a lot of big opinions. A lot of big people who are celebrities who have made their way in one industry or another and decided they want to cross over to politics. If they come to kind of the conservative conclusion of that, usually they'll show up on our show after a while, right? They want attention. They want to talk about this. We, we've seen this over and over and over again. Generally speaking... They make almost no impact when it comes to changing votes. It's, it's great to hear from some of them. The same thing on left. Left people love hearing from their celebrity candidates, but they don't change people's minds. And Taylor Swift, who is one of the most famous people on earth, has already tried this. She tried this in Tennessee. Again, someone with a country music background. She's trying to sway moderate voters. You'd think she'd have a real chance of having impact in the race. Again, this was against Marsha Blackburn. Well, guess what I can say right now? Senator Marsha Blackburn. None of it ever works. She's tried this in Tennessee. And now there was this story that came out around this time where she started speaking out. She had been quiet for a while and people had begged her to come out and speak out. And at some point, and this happens with so many people, it's across the political spectrum. It's not just Taylor Swift. At some point, you become really good at something. She's really good at building a business around her music, right? Like she's an incredible, she's built an incredible celebrity um, culture around her. And it is like the stuff that you study in school. It's really one of the most impressive PR campaigns of all time. Whether you like her music or not, it is legitimately impressive how often we have to hear about this one person and her songs, right? But when you get to that position, you start thinking an awful lot about yourself. You start thinking about, how smart you are and how you've got this figured out and others don't and how important it is that people hear your voice. I got news for you. It's not important that you hear my voice. It's not. People like the show. They listen to the show. They hear the opinions. They move on with their lives. I'm not changing the world with my show. I don't believe I'm going to change the world with my show. I believe I'm going to come out here and give you information that can help you maybe in your daily life, maybe with a little bit of entertainment, maybe you enjoy it a little bit, maybe go out and talk to your friends and have a couple of good stats that you can pull on them when they bring up dumb liberal, liberal arguments. Maybe you laugh at Sanctuary City. But, like, we're not trying to change the world here. And a lot of times people get down this road where they start thinking they're really, really important. It's called self-importance. And you start thinking, wow, people need to hear what I think about this story. And the answer to this really is it's not, it's not a difficult equation. No, they don't. No, they don't. Taylor, no, they don't. They don't really need to hear. In fact, on an issue like this, they've already put a lot of thought into it themselves. And thinking that you need to inform them what to think about it oftentimes is just like demeaning them, right? Acting like they didn't think this out themselves. It might be true, but it is kind of a, a, a conceited statement, right? And she's not the only one doing it. 
Lots of people are doing it. Taylor Swift, though, uh, back in the day, said she regretted not speaking out against Trump in 2016. It was too important. And if you haven't heard the clip of her talking about it, she's in this moment where she's talking, I think, to her parents. And her dad is like, please don't. Just please don't. You know, I agree with she, the parent. Uh, the dad didn't seem like he was a Trump supporter. I agree with you on the issue. But like, hey, you know, something bad's going to happen. Why get in the middle of this? Surely he's also thinking, hey, there's a lot of money out there from, you know, you know, Republicans buy sneakers, too, as Michael Jordan reportedly once said. It's important to keep your audience a whole. There's no reason to divide them over politics. But Tay-Tay was a little bit too important for that. Another thing, just from a security so you standpoint, think Taylor people- Swift comes out against Trump. I don't care if they write that. I'm sad that I didn't two years ago, but I can't change that. I'm saying right now that this Hold is something up. that I know is right, and you guys... I need to be on the right side of history, Taylor, and if he Taylor, doesn't win, then at least I, I, at least I tried. Taylor, here's the, here's the problem. I just want to read you what I wrote, and I'm going to try to start. I just really want you to know that this is important to me. I totally agree with the issue. Have you heard you. first? Let, you just yes, heard? I've read the entire thing, and the bottom line right now, I'm terrified. I'm the guy that went out and bought armored cars. I worry for her safety as much as anybody does, maybe more. It really is a big deal. She votes against against fair pay for women. She votes against God. the reauthorization of the of the Violence Against Women Act, which is just basically protecting us from domestic abuse and stalking, stalking. She votes, she thinks that, that if you're a gay couple, or even if you look like a gay couple, you should be allowed to be kicked out of a restaurant. It's really basic human rights, and it's right and wrong at this point, and I can't see another commercial and see her disguising these policies behind the words Tennessee Christian values. Those aren't Tennessee Christian values. I live in Tennessee. I am Christian. That's not what we stand for. I need to do this. I need you to just I need you to forgive me for doing it because I'm doing it. My head hurts after that analysis of the Marsha Blackburn campaign. Because, guys, you remember that huge controversy where, like, tons of people in Tennessee were being thrown out for looking like a gay couple. What is it? Who looks like a gay couple at a restaurant? Uh, Two guys? Uh, Two guys go to restaurants all the time, (laughs) whether they're gay or not. And by the way, none of that makes any sense at all. Um, The Violence Against Women Act. I mean, like, the... The level of understanding of a bill like that, which we've covered multiple times, uh, to think of it as just it's just protecting people from stalking is such a like fourth grade understanding of something like that. Like these people know one one thousandth of what you know about these issues. They shouldn't be influencing you in any way, in any way. And I, I doubt they are. But maybe on the left, is it's another story. I don't know that anyone is actually being uh, influenced by Taylor Swift's endorsement. I, I, I would say endorsements generally make no difference. I mean, how many endorsements did we have? I mean, like, look at Iowa. We had the, the two most prominent political figures in Iowa, very well liked, very powerful in Iowa. Both came out for Ron DeSantis and he lost by 30. I mean, like this stuff happens all the time. Endorsements mean so little. And, you know, there are exceptions to that. Um, you know, if you are, I don't know, let's let's say you're in a school board race and, uh, you know, a politician that you appreciate, uh, you know, I don't know, you're in Utah and uh, there's a school board race and Mike Lee has come out and endorsed a candidate. And maybe that affects you because you don't know anything about a school board candidate. It's hard to learn about them. A presidential race. Everybody knows everything. It's all people talk about all the time. We got a whole podcast about it. 
Seriously, like we already talk enough about this. Nobody honestly cares what these people think. Now, if Taylor Swift uh, had a uh, uh, recommended a PR person, well, yeah, you might listen to her. If LeBron James recommends a, you know, a strength and conditioning coach, you might be like, oh, he must be pretty good. But his political views, these are idiots. When it comes to this stuff, that's what they are. They're just, they're just, they've got other things on their mind. They don't think about this stuff so much, that much. And they don't spend any time understanding what they're actually talking about. So why would you listen to them? Hopefully you don't. Um, I'm reading a ridiculous book. It's called Weird Al. Seriously. Um, and it is, I'm, <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's, it's a, a very long book that <laughs> tells the backstory of all, you know, Weird Al uh, songs and tries to basic, I would I'd describe it basically as a very liberal perspective on the motivations of Weird Al. Uh, look, I, I don't know. I got myself into it. Now I'm too close to finishing it. So I have to go on. But my point here is to say, and it's, it's hard to make the point that, you know, Taylor Swift's got a lot to learn from Weird Al Yankovic. I understand that's a controversial standpoint, but I got to make the point anyway. Throughout this book, the author, who's very, very liberal, attempts over and over again to, uh, to make a case that Weird Al is actually making political standpoints in these, uh, in, stands in his songs, like, you know, over and over and over and over again. And the truth is, like, over and over and over again, the author goes to Weird Al and asks him about it. And he says, oh, yeah, I can see how you got that. But no, I just thought it was funny. And over and over and over again, he, repeat, he responds the same way. Because, look, Weird Al probably almost definitely is a liberal in real life. But, in, in, but he cares about his audience. And he cares about half of them. He cares about the half of them that don't agree with him in politics. And he comes out and he says over and over again that he just wants to entertain people. Like, it's this old school normie capitalism where people came out, they give a service, they provide a service that's excellent at a high quality for the people who want to consume it, and then they respect the people who give them the money. That's the way this used to work. And now we have to get involved in politics all the time. It's infuriating. Look, you come here, you come to The Blaze, come to Blaze TV, you're looking for political content. You're going to Taylor Swift or Weird Al Yankovic or the NFL. You just want to enjoy yourself. Can't we have these outlets anymore? Is that possible? I don't know. Perhaps not. But anyway, it doesn't matter whether you want it or not because Taylor Swift's going to be in your face the whole rest of the year when it comes to either football or music or movies or politics. She's, she lives with you. Get used to it. She's your roommate. She's going to start charging you rent soon. Get used to it. This is the world we live in, whether you want it or not. Shipping can make or break a sale, so optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I'm happy to welcome Chuck Holton back to the program. He's a war correspondent and host of The Hot Zone with Chuck Holton. Be sure to check it out and subscribe. Chuck, thanks so much for coming on the show. Good to see you again, Stu. I appreciate it. Uh, so where, where are you right now? Are you near the border? 
Dripping Springs, Texas, which is just outside of Austin. This will be ground zero for the trucker convoy that's headed down here from Virginia Beach. Just now crossing through Alabama, I'm told, on their way to Louisiana. And then they'll be here, I think, tomorrow or the next day. Can you uh, walk, if people don't know the background here, can you walk people through the origins of the trucker convoy? We obviously saw what happened in Canada uh, previously. Is this sort of a, is it a similar uh, motivation? Well, it is. I mean, it's really just a First Amendment. It's not a protest. It's a First Amendment gathering. Uh, they're trying to raise awareness and bring awareness to the fact that the border is wide open and that the uh, Biden administration has abdicated its responsibility. Not only abdicated, they've redefined it. I've been listening to uh, the, the Biden administration from the president on down and in their recent language about this, as they've been asked about this crisis, what you hear them saying is, for example, Alejandro Mayorkas in his written statement uh, in this impeachment hearings, uh, he said that he's been engaged in public service for these many years and that he considers what he's doing right now to be a public service. So his definition of a public service is obviously facilitating the entry of as many illegal aliens as possible under his tenure. Uh, we heard John Kirby the other day in response to Peter Ducey's question about why the Border Patrol would be uh, trying to block, stop Texas from blocking these migrants from coming across the border. And Kirby said it's so that the Border Patrol agents can do their job. And Ducey pushed back and said, what do you mean do their job? They won't have to do their job if their illegals can't get across. He said, no, their job is to process these people into the United States. So he doesn't see the Border Patrol as uh, their job being to patrol the border. His, his understanding is that the Border Patrol is like the greeter at Walmart to help you find your cart and make your way into the store. So uh, th that shows that there's a fundamental disconnect and these people in this convoy are trying to recenter the conversation on what it should be about which is about securing our border, making America safe. You know, they're worried about President Trump wanted to spend $11 billion to finish this wall along the southern border when the, the Republicans are now saying that by their estimates, it's going to cost something like half a trillion dollars in these the, the migrants that have already entered the United States. That's to say nothing of the $1.6 billion, most of which is American taxpayer money, that will be spent this year to pay for, oh, a bunch of motorcycles, to pay for uh, the migrants who have not yet entered the United States that are still making their way north. There's 650,000 people in the pipeline right now, and they're being funded. Their, their travel is being paid for by the UNHCR and the Organization for Immigration and Migration, two organizations that are largely funded by the American taxpayer. So the American taxpayers are paying for this invasion, and that's what this convoy is trying to raise awareness about, to try to get people mad enough that they will do something to vote people in that will change the game. I think it's you know it's really important when you see people actually stand up and take on these issues. You know, it, you know having a representative republic, it's supposed to shield you from having to do these sorts of things in in most cases, right. unless things get extreme. But here we are, we're in the most extreme times. Uh, these people, the truckers, by all accounts, uh, have real positive motivations here. Are you worried at all, Chuck? That you know what's going to happen when they get down there, though? The, the government is going to do everything they can to paint these people as the bad guys. I mean, is there a chance that this, this whole thing goes awry? 
Well, I think that they're trying very hard right now to keep that from happening. I was just actually talking with uh, Pete Chambers. They call him Doc because he's a army, former Army surgeon, former Green Beret, lieutenant colonel from the U.S. military. And uh, he has been all day on the phone with local sheriffs and everybody trying to make sure that they understand these people are coming peacefully. They're not planning on blocking the roads. They're going to keep them from going right up to the border at Shelby Park in Eagle Pass because they don't want to interfere in any way, shape or form with the job that the National Guard is trying to do down there. And uh, so they're going to be meeting here in this parking lot behind me in Tripping Springs uh, and holding a rally and not causing trouble. Uh, and so they're, they're making it very clear to anybody who will listen that this is nothing like there, there's no violence plan. And they're actually uh, identifying and throwing out of the, of the convoy already agents provocateurs that are trying to weasel their way in from organizations like Antifa and other right-wing organizations that would like to see something blow up. So they're doing everything they can to try to get that word out. As a matter of fact, to join the convoy, people have to agree to only uh, come here peaceably and to not engage in any kind of illegal illegality or violence. Uh, and hopefully that will head that off before it, anything happens. Mm, yeah, I mean, you hope that's true. And of course, uh, you have this situation with uh, President Biden, who's now suddenly become a border hawk. Like all of a sudden, uh, he's saying that if they would just pass this bill, he would shut down the border tomorrow. This is a guy who now just suddenly seems to really care about the border. Now, if you believe this, you will believe literally anything. I mean, I, I, mean, well, I mean, all you have to do is read the bill because the bill itself allows for up to 5,000 people a day to cross the border illegally. And that would have been called a crisis <laughs> any time before the last 15 minutes. I mean, the fact that now we've got, you know, that that many people, uh, we, we've got, what, 12,000 people a day at the height uh, in December until fortunately the state of Texas was able to raise the level of the river a little bit to sort of give some relief. And we also saw that President Biden went to Mexico in December and had that meeting with Manuel Lopez Obrador, the president down there. And we don't know exactly what they talked about, but all of a sudden the Mexicans are taking a much stronger stand and stopping many of the migrants from getting to the border, at least slow walking them to the border so they don't all show up at once. And uh, the real question is, what did he get in return for doing that, uh, that uh, making that agreement to slow the border crossings until the election? And some people are saying he asked for up to $20 billion in aid for Mexico, which doesn't typically get aid from the United States and doesn't need it. And uh, not only that, but 800,000 uh, visas for Mexican citizens to be able to come to the United States as well. So uh, we've already got something like, uh, they say, some people say uh, a, a majority of the, uh, of the working age men in Mexico are actually employed already in the United States. And those remittances that go back to Mexico are incredibly valuable for their GDP. And so there's an incentive for not just Mexico, but for Guatemala, for Honduras, for Nicaragua and all uh, these other countries, uh, you know, Venezuela, Cuba, Haiti, everybody to send as many people to the United States as possible because of that remittance issue. 
Yeah, it really is a huge issue. And it's, I mean, look, incentives are incentives. We know this is true That's with the right. economy, and it's true here as well. And the number that you bring up there with 5,000, it's 5,000 a day, I think over 8,500 on a single day, um, would, would supposedly set in this border shutdown, which, again, Biden keeps describing as it grants him authority to do it. That doesn't mean he's going to do it. It just right. grants him the authority in theory to do it. Um, but you're right. Like, we, we've gone through... Crisis, a crisis after crisis on the border. And those crisis, those, those situations were 50,000 people in a month crossing, 60,000 people in a month oh. crossing. And we were like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Now we're at 300,000. reporting on the, on the border crisis, it was 2004. And back then, you know, they, they were talking about 1,200 people a day coming across the border was a crisis. And well, in reality, one person a day coming illegally across the border is a crisis because we can't vet these people. And so many of these people either don't have documents or get rid of their documents before they come across and they don't appear on any database. And so we don't know who they are, where they come from. We've a lot of people have seen these videos lately of people, the, the migrants that have come across, these illegal aliens, literally taunting the reporters and saying, you don't know who I am, but you will know who I am. And as it turns out, that particular guy was a uh, extremist Muslim from Azerbaijan who uh, is the head of a quasi-terrorist organization inside Azerbaijan that I've done reporting on in the past. So uh, you know, we, we just don't know, and that's the big problem. It's not uh, only about the numbers of people, which is huge and is very costly for Americans, but uh, all it takes is one person to come across, I mean, it took 19 people to bring down the World Trade Centers and uh, and to, to take out the Pentagon and uh, commit the, the atrocities that happened on 9-11. Uh, we don't need hundreds and hundreds of them, but what we're seeing is hundreds of thousands of them every month. And the question is, what what is anybody gonna do about it? Uh, I'd seen that video, Chuck, of that one particular guy on the border. I did not hear this. So he was he's from Azerbaijan, which my understanding of the map is there's plenty of countries if you need asylum to stop in uh, <laughs> between, here, between and the right. here and there. That's quite the distance. It would take me a week to even figure out how to fly to Azerbaijan. Um, but uh, so he is p part of a quasi terrorist group. I mean, wh where is he? Is he loose in That's the country? Right. Uh, well, yes, uh, we don't know where he is. He's in the United States now. Uh, and they were able to, using facial recognition, to figure out who he is. And it appears that he is the head of a uh, extremist Muslim organization inside Azerbaijan, which is an extremist Muslim country uh, that I've done a lot of reporting on. So, uh, yeah, that's concerning. I just came last week from the Darien Gap. And I, would, I was almost 30 miles upriver into the, the jungle watching literally a thousand Chinese people a day coming out of there. And as they got into the Indian village that I was in, they were taking off all their clothes and taking showers and stuff. And these guys were covered with snakehead tattoos and tattoos that show that they're triad. You know, these, these are military age males from China coming in and they're, they're not hungry, they're not poor, they're not destitute. They've got iPhones. They've got nice clothing. Uh, and the question is, what the heck is, uh, is going on with all these people? Now, I've done some reporting over this past year about where some of those Chinese migrants are going. The Chinese are buying up farms all over the United States, in Oklahoma, in Texas, in California and other places, Oregon, Washington. And they're making illegal marijuana grows there. And they're employing these. Well, I say employing. They're using these 
Chinese migrants as essentially slave labor in these illegal grows, which is making it virtually impossible for the legal marijuana grows to stay in business, the people who actually pay the taxes and that sort of thing. And so it's uh, it's flooding the market. It's uh, th there's a whole lot more to this. And it, it none of it is good. That's all there is to it. Uh, that's amazing. Uh, let me ask you one more. We got about one more minute here, Chuck. One more uh, border-related question, but we're going to go over to the other side of the world here. Uh, we obviously know that Israel and the Gaza Strip have uh, had a, a border wall that you know did not hold up, unfortunately, on October seventh. But lately, there has been video leaking out about the, what the wall looks like on the other border with Egypt. And it's, it's massive. It's, it's, it's a massive wall. It looks like it's something out of Star Wars. Um, and right. this is how countries protect their borders if they care about their borders. Uh, and, well, and, and they will shoot you if you try to come across. Right? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that helps, right? I mean, I was just recently on the border between Iran and Armenia. And it's the, it does have a fence. It's a 12-foot-tall uh, barbed wire fence with concertina wire on top and cameras. And it's nothing like the border wall you see on the U.S. southern border or the one between Egypt and Gaza or even the one between Israel and Gaza, which was very substantial, okay, and is very substantial. They just have to watch it. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference is that if you try to cross that border between Iran and Armenia, you will get shot. They won't arrest you. They won't detain you. And they sure as heck are not going to welcome you in, take your name and number, and then send you off into their country. They are going to kill you. And for that reason, they don't have a problem with people trying to cross that border. And that, that's really what happened between Israel and Gaza was that there wasn't really anybody watching the border. They had instituted some uh, AI programs that they were trusting to alert them if anything went wrong. And the you know, Palestinians figured out how to thwart the AI, and there you go. I mean, it really is a so basic you have to thing. Watch it. Yeah, it's a basic thing for a sovereign nation. You can have a wall that can do a lot of good, but you do need to watch it as well. Uh, Chuck Holton, uh, be sure to check out the Hot Zone with Chuck Holton. He's going to be covering all the stuff that's going on with uh, the border and all the, the caravan of, of, of trucks that are coming um, to, to hopefully shine some light on this because it is incredibly important to us as a country. Chuck, thanks so much for coming back on the program. Absolutely. We'll see you. Well, when something really hits you as important, there's only one thing to do, protest, as we all know. And the U.S. government employees are now planning to fast for Gaza in protest against the Biden policy. Now, this is important for, uh, for Biden because he keeps losing his own party members here. They're basically planning a revolt. But can we look at the details of this? Um, they're starving themselves for one day. That's just intermittent fasting. That's like a diet. That's like a... I mean, that's just like I, I got you're working for the government. Shouldn't you be busy enough that like some days you just forget to eat? But no, this is a big protest. And I guess this is going to cure the whole Israel. I mean, look, a lot of other efforts have failed, but not eating, you know, uh, your uh, avocado toast for one day is going to be the real thing that turns this over the edge and uh, makes everybody come together between Israel and Palestine, uh, the Palestinians. We'll make sure to watch that develop um, now. One of the things that's been difficult for the left to deal with is the fact that they have to wrestle with the idea that it's their party that are the anti-Semites. They're the ones that have a bunch of people who don't like Jews on their team. 
this is, of course, completely true, but they keep trying to blame it on, you know, I don't know, the one Charlottesville protest they got film of. So uh, Nancy Pelosi had some protesters out in front of her house. She's been, you know, relatively supportive of Israel compared to like an AOC. And the protesters are protesting her. And she had some words for them outside the house. Watch. It's hard to understand what she says, but she actually says, go back to China. Now, this is part two of this weird conspiracy theory that she keeps bringing up, which is basically saying it's not real Democrats doing this. It is uh, people who are uh, either Russian plants or Chinese plants. This is really where she, I mean, she's loopy at this point. Too much Jenny's ice cream, apparently. It's gone to her brain. Now, of course, if you have all these problems in your party, what do you do to win an election? You try to kick your opponent off the ballot. But in Illinois, it didn't work. Illinois Election Board dismisses the effort to remove Trump from ballot. That's some good news. And what if you do, if you try to get your opponent off the ballot, and you're having all these problems and your ballot initiatives fail, what do you do then? Pro-Biden Super PAC planning largest political ad blitz in history, $250 million from one Super PAC. This is what they're going to do. They're going to spend a lot of cash to try to get Donald Trump away from the White House. Will it work? I mean, who knows? Honestly, at this point, uh, you know, look, we're a country that... It continually does a bunch of dumb things. So I don't know. Maybe it will work, but we will keep you up to date on State of the Race uh, this a couple times a week right now. And as we get closer to the election season, we'll ramp it up uh, probably to every day uh, as we get closer and closer to the election. Back in a second. You know, sometimes advertising, especially when you repeat it constantly, can make a lot of stupid people buy things that they don't need. And that's why I'm here to tell you that I totally want to go on the Icon of the Seas. I see the ads all the time. I'm totally sold. I'm trying to sell my wife on going on the ship for our, uh, our, uh, our uh, summer vacation with the kids. Have you seen this thing? Look at this. This is the coolest thing in the world. Icon of the Seas. It's the biggest cruise ship ever. It's 10 times the size of the Titanic. Weighs 250,800 tons. It costs $2 billion. It's got like a million water slides, 20 decks. It is freaking impressive. And of course, obviously, because it's cool, uh, the left wants to ruin it. They say it's an environmental concern. I, I will say, well, you know, shut up about the environment. I will say, it is interesting, though, that, like, I mean, the cruise industry has made a hell of a comeback here. I mean, in 2020, they were like this. Every every molecule of COVID lived on cruise ships for a while there. I don't, there was a moment there where it was like, are these guys ever coming back? They are coming back, and they are coming back strong, and that's good. That's good. Good for America. They have a bunch of environmental crap on the, on the boat that supposedly makes it more environmentally friendly. I don't really care about that, but I do care about water slides, so I'm definitely going. Um, the, uh, there's a new thing out for... Uh, because these electric cars are doing so bad in the cold weather, there's a new thing out for them. It's a blanket, a blanket for your car. Because your car is running so crappy when it's an electric car, you gotta put a blanket over it. Like it's a, a, you know, a child. Uh, you have to like coddle it so it actually will go around the block a couple times for you. It's embarrassing. 
Also, by the way, they already had car covers. A blanket for a car is not necessarily a new thing, but this is to hold the heat in so your, your battery doesn't basically dissolve in front of your eyes when it gets below 30 degrees. Amazing. And it might get below 30 in, uh, in Anchorage uh, because they have what we're calling a pandemic of snow. What the hell is a pandemic of snow? When it hits the ground, does it spread? Is it contagious? I, I don't know why it's a pandemic of snow. Somebody found a search engine optimization tools and said, a lot of people search for pandemics. Let's put that in our snow story. But 100 inches expected for Anchorage. And um, honestly, I don't feel too bad for you up in Alaska because if you're there, you knew this was coming. Okay, this is part of your life. You can't complain about snow if you live in Alaska. That's just my opinion. I'm sorry. That's just the way I feel. Uh, but I will, uh, I, I will be going more towards the icon of the seas and less toward Anchorage. Get the best in conservative merch over at Blaze TV uh, and my particular site, which is stewdoesmerch.com. Stewdoesmerch.com. The code is stew10. When you go there, uh, you will get 10% off anything you purchase with stewdoesmerch.com. We appreciate you doing so, and you'll get great stuff to uh, live through the election period. Uh, it's never going to end now, is it? we got a long time ahead of us.